Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today are Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good day, Simon. And we have Johnny Sisson in Chicago. Hello, Johnny. Hi, everyone. And today we're also joined by a fellow admin of the Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook group, Imon from Athens in Greece. Hello, Imon. Hello from Athens. Last week we spoke about the camera gear we use to take photos with our classic lenses and that raised a few comments from our listeners. Nigel Cliff was mildly aggrieved that we did not mention how wonderful Panasonic cameras are to use with classic lenses. Robbie Robbo was grateful to us as he feels less like a nerd now that he can hear other people talking about the love of old classic lenses. And finally, it's good to hear that Lars Teppen Johansson has mentally prepared himself for a future television show. This week we're going to be talking about the Helios 44 range of lenses and if we have time we'll also discuss focusing helicoids. The Helios 44 is a lens that was made in the former Soviet Union and was produced in many versions. Now before I go further there's a huge amount of information about the Helios 44 on the internet and much of it is contradictory so if we get things wrong please drop us a comment in the main post in the photography with classic lenses Facebook group or if you're allergic to Facebook then we also have a corresponding post in the MF lenses forum on mflenses.com. The Helios 44 and its variants are 58mm f2 standard prime lenses and it's possibly the most numerous lens ever produced. It's still actually possible to buy a new copy as they were produced under a quota system in the USSR and that quota system did not necessarily match demand so there's, in theory there are still crates of these things waiting to be discovered. The first Helios 44 was made around 1959 and stayed in production until about 1992 although some may have gone on for a little bit longer. But 1959 was not the start of the Helios 44 story as the original lens was a direct copy of the 1930s Carl Zeiss Biotar 58 f2. After the Second World War, the Soviets removed much of the equipment and parts from the Carl Zeiss factory and eventually began the production of the Helios 44. The original Helios 44 used a 39mm mount similar to the Leica thread mount, however the flange distance was much longer because the Helios 44 was developed to be used with a Zenit SLR camera. This unusual M39 mount still causes confusion today and we'll talk about this later. The next step in its development was when the lens lost a few aperture blades but gained a regular M42 screw mount to become the, the 44-2. The next big update in it was the introduction of the 44M lenses with their automatic apertures. The 44M lenses also introduced a, a sort of sharpness scale with the 44M being the entry level lens and then lenses with a, with a higher second number would indicate, would indicate an increased resolution such as the 44M, the 44M4, the 44M5, 44M6 and 44M7. The 44M7 with the, is the highest resolution lens in the range. Now I've missed one lens out of that sequence and that's the Helios 44-3. The name suggests it should sit at the lower end of the range, but rumour has it that it's the best all-round version, and today's guest Imon has one. But before we talk to Imon, perhaps Carl, you could share some of your experience of the 44 range. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. So I have a long and sordid experience with these lenses. Um, maybe not as bad as with my um, Mirror 1B lenses that kind of come to me and then I don't like them and they sell them within a month. I like all of these lenses, but I, I made a list this morning and I've had eight of them. <laughs> and um, I think about three years ago, uh, the first one was a 44M4, and I thought it was a fabulous lens, and it is. It's very sharp, 
um, beautiful bokeh and um, a good contrast, good colors. Uh, someone mentioned on the page that a 44-2 is an even better lens, so I bought one of those. Um, I, I wondered about the 44 lens, and so I bought a 44 Zebra. It was kind of, the one I got was a little bit fiddly. Um, it had a, a loose focus. I didn't use it very much. And then, um, and then I, I heard uh, people talking about the sharpness of the 44.7, and had one of those. And I'm not sure if the 44.7 that I had was a real one or a fake one that had a uh, 44.7 nameplate put, put onto it. Um, it was quite sharp. I think it might have been a real one. And then about a year and a half ago, after a couple of pints of Guinness and a bar, I was looking on eBay and I saw this beautiful. Um, 44, a silver one with an M39 mount, 13 blades, a really nice blue look to the uh, front of the lens, a 00 serial number, which I looked up and there was an interesting story about those being made for members of the Communist Party and them being better lenses than any others. And I bought it and paid way too much money for it. And um, I still I still have that. Um, and then um, Bought another 44.7, which I know is absolutely a fake, because the serial number was too low. And let's see, all of those are sold except for <laughs> except for that 44 um, 13 blade. And, and absolutely, um, and this might be a, a, a placebo effect because I want it to be better. But um, I think that it's better than all of the other lenses in terms of sharpness and color and contrast. And so I still have it sitting on my camera right now. In fact. Um, and it's a real versatile lens. Now, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, people got talking about these 44.3 lenses, and there's been a number of posts on the page about 44.3s and will they work on a, um, on, a on our cameras? Um, we found out that there's two versions of them: one that, that won't work because the focus ring will um, start touching the adapter before you screw it all the way in, and the one that, that doesn't do that. I managed to track down one that. Um, functions properly according to the seller and he's a guy who I've bought from before so I trust him and um, so that's on the way from Russia and there's a 44 another 44 zebra that's sitting over at the post waiting for me to pick up this afternoon and so that makes eight in total I, we'll see what what happens with the zebra whether I keep it I'm gonna see if the 44 3 really is as spectacular as people say compared to my um, my silver 44 and uh, We'll see if I end up with a couple or three Helios for a while, or I'm back to just having one that's a long-term keeper. I've never had a five or a, of a of six, and I've never seen one or seen anyone talk about those. So I like the lens, um, and uh, actually I, I don't shoot it often to get swirly bokeh shots. Um, I like to use it to get smooth bokeh shots, and and I use it. Um, to do shots where the lens is quite stopped down and I'm shooting distant objects. It's really great for that. I posted a couple of pictures last night to kind of, uh, as a teaser for this presentation that were sunset shots over some pine trees and the, the lens is, is really sharp shooting um, well, relatively narrow landscape images. So um, that's great. It's one of, one of my favorite lenses. Um, I'm going to let Iman talk a little bit because he has um, a lot of experience with Helios lenses and he has particular experience with this 44.3 that we were talking about. Thank you, Carl. Well, actually, I think there are three different versions of uh, Helios 44-3. Uh, 
there is a at least this is what uh, Google told me. <laughs> uh, it's uh, the first version as the one with the focus ring that uh, protrudes, and uh, when you focus it at infinity, actually you can't because it hits the adapter. Uh, second version which uh, has uh, no such issue and there is a, a rare 44 3M MC I don't know um, I can't find many information about this one but uh, this is what uh, uh, information you find in the internet uh, I've, I've seen some I've seen some pictures of that that lens him on is, is it the one that it, it, it comes apart and becomes a macro lens as well. Is that is is that what yeah, we're talking yes. about? This is the one. Uh, you can mm. uh, adjust it on the macro rings, and uh, all of them can be used as macro lenses. Actually, uh, all you need is a focus uh, helioid or uh, some tubes. Uh, anyway, uh, there are some uh, similarities with Helios uh, 44. Two, it's the same optical formula, but there are also uh, differences that do exist. Uh, the manufacturer is different. Uh, the lens was uh, firstly produced uh, back in uh, 1986 in Belarus, Minsk. Uh, the coatings are far better than the one the older 44.2 has. And uh, although the optical formula is the same, the body is totally different. Actually, in my view, it's an ugly lens, but it performs very well. <laughs> uh, well, it happens to own, I own two 442 lenses, and uh, although I haven't so far do a head-to-head -head, head -to -head comparison, I feel like the 44.3 is a better overall uh, lens. It has uh, better color rendition. The colors are warmer and it has uh, far better contrast uh, than the 44.2. You won't notice any washout effect when you shoot at bright light and uh, you get a better 3D effect due to its uh, contrast. Uh, it might be a little bit sharper, I'm not sure about that, uh, because when you have a lens with better contrast you will see more details. And uh, you can always get this uh, shrill bouquet that uh, all Helios uh, produce. It's interesting um, when you talk about comparing one, one Helios against another. It's certainly a lens where the, the, the phrase sample variation Come, comes into play. I mean, I've had. Well, this is a common problem: uh, the poor quality control of uh, Russian lenses. And, uh, uh, I'm happy enough to have uh, three good copies of these lenses, but uh, the 443, in my view, is uh, far superior than the other models that I own. Uh, all, all of them, all three of them, are preset uh, lenses, and the aperture control is located on the front of the lens. And uh, I find this uh, function very helpful when you want to focus precisely on a mirrorless body and then uh, close down the aperture. 
I was just just going back to the the, the manufacturer there. It's, it's interesting. It's uh, uh, is it MMZ for the forty four three? Only MMZ. Yeah. It was only manufactured in Belarus, no other factory. Right. Anymore. Because one of the one of the things about Soviet lenses in 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 general is there's a there's certainly a, a strong view that the older the lens, the better. Um, there's another view to say that uh, the le the best lenses were made while Stalin was still alive because um, there was a uh, okay. fear of the gulag and things. Um, but but it's interesting. Lens, uh, the, it started produced in 1986. Uh, so yeah, uh, and and that's and it's the 80s lenses uh, from the yeah the, the Soviet 80s lenses are the lenses with probably the worst reputation for sample variation yet. I've not actually heard anybody say anything bad about any 44.3. Probably it has to do with the uh, factory that uh, made them. Iman, are you, where are you are are you sourcing these sort of locally or getting them on eBay? Or I'm just I'm kind of curious about how you um, how you get uh, these lenses. There, I think they're much more common in certain parts of the world than they are certainly here where I am in the U.S. So I'm always interested in. You know how how frequently or easily these are to find. Well, it is easy to find the Zenith cameras and the Ilios lenses uh, in Athens, uh, flea markets. But uh, all of my lenses, uh, Ilios lenses, are from uh, eBay sellers. Uh, actually, two of them, the 44.3 and the for the second 44.2 that I bought. Uh, are from a Greek seller, Odd Photo. Uh, Johnny, I think you know him. Or yeah, or absolutely. He's, his, uh, <laughs> he has some of the most interesting things, unique things out there for sure. Great, great name, Odd Photo. It certainly seems to fit. 44.3 was the first lens that uh, I bought from him. Uh, I received it. It was a uh, fine lens. Uh, I gave a positive feedback and then uh, uh, he sent me back some money because shipping was much uh, less than what he expected. <laughs> I appreciated <laughs> that and uh, I found his address and uh, went to his uh, shop and uh, now I have the opportunity to test some really rare lenses uh, here, C-mount lenses or I don't know anything that uh, he has, and uh, it's it's really an interesting uh, shop with uh, rarities that uh, I wouldn't have the chance to see only on the internet. <laughs> the thing about sellers is interesting because um, I've had some, I've had bad experiences with sellers from various places, but I I had some early experiences that weren't fantastic buying lenses from from Russia or the Ukraine, but. I, I found a, a seller who I think is really good and honest and um, and, and when he says that something is high quality um, it's true and so I've the, all of the last ones I've bought I've contacted him and asked him did he have that particular lens and he's found one and I've purchased from the same guy and I haven't had any problems anymore I don't know if we want to mention the name of a seller on, on here but it's uh, uh, Artem A-R-T-E-M is his name, and he has a, a eBay shop called Artem Store. And uh, well, maybe it's just my experience, but it's been good. 
Well, for, for, for the enough, I've I've just actually ordered a a forty four three off him as well. So uh, which is described as perfect. Um, yeah. I was desperately hoping he would actually come uh, before today, but uh, there was no chance of that really. So I'll be uh, able to comment on on that when uh, when that arrives. Yeah. Johnny, you've uh, you, you're not the the biggest Helios fan in the world, are you? Oh, this might be a popular misconception that I've fueled myself, but um, <laughs> no, no. Here, here's what I would say about the the 44. I, the reason I asked Amon about um, how he's acquired his lenses and so forth, uh, especially the Helos, is that it's a very uncommon lens for the most part in the U.S. I don't think I ever saw one until a few years ago. I was actually at an estate sale for um, a collector here in the area. And he had a, a Zenit camera with a 44 attached to it. I think I paid, you know, $15 for it. But it very unusual to see. I'd never really um, seen one before. Uh, because, I mean, you, you figure most Soviet lenses didn't really make their way over to the U.S. with the Cold War and all that. So, um, and, and I think what I find interesting about the 44 is that probably in, in my part of the world, the lens that would be the analog to that in terms of... Um, ease of finding and um, image quality so forth would be something like a, a Super Tacomar you know, 55 1.8 which I know we talked about in previous episodes but the 44 is probably for uh, a lot of folks in other parts of the world a much more common lens like you had mentioned you know they're they're just easy to find in the flea markets there in Athens I'm on so that that's what kind of fascinates me about um, really to agree this whole this whole thing that we do with uh finding lenses and sourcing them is that i think a lot of times our preferences are shaped by what we're you know what we're exposed to so i i um so i guess my my take on the the helios uh, um i i had that lens and then i acquired right about the same time several copies of the uh the zeiss biotar which is you know essentially the same lens um and you know, did actually did uh, a bit of comparing of the two, and I I found them to be very similar. The difference that I really noticed was that my um, Zeiss Biotar lenses I felt were had a much greener cast to them, uh, whereas the the Helios had a kind of a warmer uh, warmer color rendition to it. And I, I really kind of came to the conclusion that I think the the older Biotars, especially are much better suited to uh, black and white photography because they, to me, they looked fan they look fantastic as portrait lenses. Um, so I actually probably have more copies. Well, I have several in front of me right now, but I have, I have many copies of, you know, the, of Biotar formula lenses. I, I wouldn't say they're the lens I use the most, but I have several, you know, interesting ones that, um, I really like. And, uh, uh, among the earliest, I have a very old. You know, we talk about the the. If you read up on the Biotar or or the Helios, the lenses you know made their way over to still photography in the early early to mid 30s. And I actually have, I think, a couple of the very first versions. I have a um a Kodak uh, uh, Anastigmat Ektar, which is a um, a 45 millimeter f2, which uh, is taken from a Bantam Special from 1936 and then I have a Biotar, a Zeiss uh, Jenna Biotar from 1937. So I have a couple of really old uncoated copies that I I really enjoy that um, uh, really nice rendering. Um, but yeah, I, 
it's not so much that I don't like the uh, Helios 44. I think that the it seems like that the swirly bouquet craziness um, maybe rubs me a, a little bit the wrong way at times because I, I feel like it can turn into kind of this quest for swirly rather than making good images sometimes, which is which is fine. It's fun to experiment. It's, it's um, I was going to say, Johnny, it's probably good to just quickly talk about this, the yeah. swirly bokeh for phenomenon. Um, because, yeah, I mean, there's, there are plenty of people that gravitate to that lens for exactly that reason, much in the same way as you keep away from it for, this, for the same reason. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, my experience is I've actually got very, very few photos that I've taken with that lens that I've actually managed to achieve the swirly bokeh. And that's including on full frame because it's it's an easier thing to do with the, as, your, as your sensor gets larger. But it's just one of those things. It's, it's pretty much eluded me. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I've I've seen it a little bit, and I'm mainly shooting it, you know, at least digitally. I'm shooting it on um, Fuji, which is you know APS-C, so it's even can be argued that it's even harder to produce there because you're not getting quite to the the edges of the image, you know. Um, so I mean, I've seen it at times, but I I guess I haven't spent a lot of time chasing that, you know. Um, and and I feel like I've when I've used the the Helios and just the Biotars in general, it's more kind of a portrait, you know, uh, portrait pursuit, especially since they tend to be a little bit longer in focal length. I mean, you know, to me, 58 millimeters is really, um, you know, it's, it's not that much longer than 50. Um, but it's, it's enough so that I feel like I, I, I want to use the lens just slightly differently, you know? Mm. Um, so I think that's, a bit interesting about it as well and I, I probably tend more towards the straight 50 than a 55 which is probably actually more like a, a 60 because those numbers are always you know fudged a little bit so um, yeah it's, a, it's an interesting lens it's an interesting niche in terms of that in terms of that uh, focal length too. Carl have you you got experience with Swirly Boca? So I have I was just looking at my Flickr page and I have very few examples of that and um, I know that it's the thing that people tend to look for when they buy this lens. And um, I, I have some really nice bokeh shots that are smooth. And I, I think the lens is really good that way. But um, I, I don't honestly, I don't have a lot of shots unless I've done some bizarre thing like reversing the front element to play around for a couple of days and get a, a really crazy swirling kind of thing, which gets boring after. A couple of days, and then I put it back the way that it was. Um, I don't have straight shots, to, for maybe one or two. I can't find them right now with a with a real swirl. Not like people show with a Helios 40 or anything like that. Cole, would you would you like to explain just uh, what you mean by um, turning that front element? So this has been a discussion on the Facebook page, and and a month ago I think people were really talking about this a lot. Um, on, on some of the lenses that we use, it's it's very easy to um, take off the nameplate on the front of the lens and then carefully lift out the front element and put it back in backwards and then put the nameplate back on. And if you do it with the Helios lens, you get this really interesting, almost psychedelic swirl of things. And uh, the center of the image is sharp and everything around it, it looks like a tunnel effect. You have to do it to understand what I'm talking about. Um, it would probably be harder to do on the 44 
because the uh, you'd have to take out that inside ring and it looks like I wouldn't do it on my good lens because I'd have pretty high risk of scratching the glass but on the on the 44m or something like that where you've got the big nameplate on the front I think it actually has holes to put the um, the ends of a, um, a spanner into and you can just take it off really quick I can, on, on a 44m I could switch that front element out in probably five minutes um, and then people have talked about reversing the back element. And then we've seen this thing that people are calling mid-mod, which I haven't tried, but presumably involves taking the back element out and then taking the next element group out and turning it around the other way, if I understand correctly. And those photos I like better because they aren't quite as extreme in terms of all of that uh, bizarre psychedelic tunnel effect around the outside. They're a little more subtle and they seem to be sharper. Actually, um, another lens that, that, that people have reversed that front element is the Mirror 1B or Mirror 1. And I like those better um, because you get the same effect, but it's not so wild. It's a, it's, a, it's a little more subtle, and I think it's more interesting looking. Now, someone posted a picture yesterday on the Facebook page with a lens reversal of a landscape shot looking down towards a forest with a road going through it. And I thought it was really beautiful. Um, people tend to post photos of closer objects, but this was a really nice landscape image that someone had done. So when I get this zebra lens, actually the reason I bought it, because it was cheap, is that it might be one that I use to do a, some reversals and goofing around with, because if I screw up the lens, it's not that big of a loss. I've got a, a reverse front element uh, 44.2 in front of me, and it, it, it pretty much is just as easy to do that as it is on the... Uh, 44m lenses. Um, it might seem like it's going to be a bit harder, but it's it's pretty much the same process. Um, just going, I'm just thinking about your uh, your preference with the mere uh, the mere one uh, reversal. I'm just wondering if that's simply because that's the only way you can get a mere one to uh, do something that you like. Well, I don't have any of those anymore. They're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Carl that uh, Mir One has a, a, it's better for reversing the front element. And uh, one other thing is that I couldn't get this swirly effect uh, when using Helios uh, with my OMD. So you need a full frame sensor to experience uh, this effect. Uh, it's uh, it's really easy to do that uh, with uh, the new mirrorless bodies with uh, full frame sensors. I did manage to get it once with with my Olympus, um, but it was it was oh, something getting quite close to being a macro shot. Um, yes, okay, once, but uh, yeah. you tried it a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, I struggle even one full frame with it to to do that. So uh, I I pretend that I don't want to do it anymore because I can't. <laughs> Well, maybe the people who listen to the podcast who have really good examples can post some pictures in the comment thread and we can we can see what those look like yeah and actually that's that's a point because and I, I know the the principle of doing it it's, it's about the distance um, you are away from the subject is in focus and then the distance away uh, that's in in the background that becomes out of focus and I think there's a there's there's like I don't know there's there's a you ratio there isn't there you need light to it has to be a sunny day or something like that uh, mm -hmm. you yeah. won't experience the effect uh, during a dull day mm. one of the things we've talked about before and I, I don't know whether we uh, disagree on it or not is uh, I have other lenses that um, swirl 
the bokeh ovals around the subject beautifully. And um, so let's say my um, um, F Zuko pen 38 1.8 does that very nicely. And I have a couple other lenses that will do it. But I've been told that that's not what people are talking about when they're talking about a, a swirled background. That's a different thing. Yeah, I think sometimes that's just about the how, how extreme it is. Um, but you, you certainly get more of the, uh, the swirl with uh, some of the C-mount lenses, like the um, CCTV lenses. Uh, can be quite extreme but I think the it's it's more about what's going on at the edge of the the lens design and sometimes you can be seeing more of the image uh, the projected image um, than than the lens is actually designed to show you which is what I think is happening with the possibly yeah. with, the, with the pen lens you just you're seeing the uh, the periphery of the lens which is which possibly might not have actually been designed to land on the film plane in the first place yeah um, there's a couple of other things that have popped up about uh, that I'd like to just go back to actually uh, you you mentioned about your your mythical double O uh, lens um, Helios lens Helios 44 and you know there is this story that goes around saying that uh, these lenses were were made for the um, the Politburo and the members of the Communist Party and things like that and I, I, I do wonder if there's any truth in that or whether that's actually just one of these things that's being made up to help to sell certain lenses and give them a, give them a better price. Well, you know, I, I don't know. Um, right, there is that story and, and going along with that story is, the, is that these are pre-production lenses that were never uh, sold and um, they were just given away and then they, and then they took that lens and, and put it into production and started off with a different serial number that started with the the year, um, and I've seen zero zero zeros, and then I've seen zero zeros, and the zero zero zeros I think were lenses given to a, a different group of people, and the zero zeros are Communist Party lenses. I don't know. I I know that I've had um, I've got two coming, so I haven't looked at them yet. But of the six that I've had, this one with the zero zero, it's absolutely a better lens than the others. The build is perfect. The focusing is smooth as butter. Uh, there's nothing about the lens that that, uh, that isn't just absolutely perfect. The contrast is, is fantastic. The sharpness is the highest that I've seen on any lens. I like the bokeh the best. So um, it's a it's a it's one of my best lenses. I never would sell this lens. I think it's it's also probably worth talking about um, something because I think we've uh, possibly glossed over it slightly, and that's with with Soviet lenses the. Uh, with most Soviet lenses, uh, the serial number gives some information away. Um, perhaps, Johnny, you might want to tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, just as a general uh, rule of thumb, the first two digits of the serial number are the year of manufacture. Um, and I, it, that's not a hard and fast rule, but it is uh, generally generally true. So, uh, for instance, I have, well, I mean, I've got a number of lenses, but I'm just looking at thinking about... Um, the lens I've been shooting most recently, which is a Jupiter 12 that I've been shooting on my Canon 4SB. Um, I have three copies of that. One is, uh, I got, a, I think, an 86 digit, uh, 1986, which is um, very problematic. <laughs> it doesn't focus anywhere near infinity. And then I have two older ones, one from, let's see, 1959, which is a little sticky. And then I just traded for 
1960 version. Matter of fact, the serial number is um, 6000334. So, you know, and th those are those are most definitely year of manufacture serial numbers. There was a, another um, legend to say that uh, 1973 or 1972 were were the yeah. peak, the peak years of uh, Soviet lenses and, and pretty much after that the uh, the sample variation sort of crept, crept in more and more and more and, sure. um, and it's fair to say actually that my, my favourite um, Soviet lenses are, are made in the 50s and 60s um, they're not necessarily uh, the, the, the sharpest lenses but they just tend to give me results that I like the most I, I would tend to agree with that going back to the the um the Jupiter 12 I'm using right now pretty pretty consistently or almost exclusively on this camera on this Canon I really am liking the results I mean we we've had a side discussion here uh, recently uh, going on about uh, 35 millimeter rangefinder lenses and you know some of us have the Canon uh, some of us want the Canon of one aperture you know or another um, and I, I, the more I've been shooting with and looking at my film coming off the Jupiter 12, the less I'm kind of wanting, at least telling myself, the less I'm wanting the Canon 35 uh, f2 rangefinder lens because the I just love the the rendering out of it. Um, I, I I I tend to like lenses that uh, have a nice sharp center and softer at the edges so that the the center of the frame is um, given extra kind of. Uh, accentuated right um, and I some of the some of my I feel like some of my 50s and 60s Soviet lenses really just excel at that um, I have a, a really old uh, horribly scratched up sand socked as we say uh, Jupiter 3 that I just love I mean it, the rendering on it is um, it's so unique I, I really love that lens it's in no way clean at all the glass is just a mess but I, I love it it's it's wonderful one thing I want to go back to is the 44M7 um, I mean we talked a lot about the 44.3 uh, but the 44M7 is um, reputed to be and and is uh, the the sharpest of all the Helios 44 lenses but it's it's also got you know, a bit of a reputation about it for you know uh, fakes versus genuine ones, and people might be wondering why on earth people are actually faking lenses on a, on a relatively cheap lens. Well, there's two things there. One, um, the difference in cost in value between say a, a 44 M4 and uh, and a 44 7 is you know 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 60 dollars different. So swapping a, a nameplate, which is probably going to cost maybe five dollars or so is uh, it's it's quite a markup so th there is there is a genuine incentive for people to do that but um, I've had a 44.7 I mean I know Carl says he's had two 44.7s but I'm pretty sure that Carl has had two fakes um, <laughs> um, and the, the one, one of them is an absolute certainly a fake because it had an automatic and manual switch on it uh, which uh, no no 44 M7 ever had uh, the one that I had, um, it was actually the serial number on that was actually would suggest that that might have been a fake as well, which is interesting. Except that the 
because I think it was one year younger than when it was actually meant to launch. I think mine was in 92, and I think everybody says they've got to be from 93 onwards. Um, but this particular lens I bought um, was actually in a collection uh, of lenses, of, of Soviet lenses from a, um, a collector that had died and I effectively bought these from, from his widow and these lenses have been in this collection for a very long time. So as far as provenance is concerned that's as good as anything I've, I'm, I'm going to come across um, and when I used the lens it was very, very sharp. There's no, no two ways about it. The other the other part of this is that you think, well, that should be the ultimate Helios 44, but I never fell in love with that lens, and the reason why I didn't was because it was so sharp, um, to the point where I'm thinking, well, do I need a le an, another 50mm, 58mm lens, f2 lens that, that is sharp, because I've got plenty of those, and this lens does not give me the, the, the special character that you associate with a, with a Helios 44, so it didn't stay. I don't know if the first one I had was a fake one. We know that the second one was fake, right? We we looked at it. I sent photos of it to you, and and the date was wrong on the serial number, and it had that switch on it. So we, we know that someone had switched the nameplate. The first one, I'm not, I'm not sure whether it was a fake one or not. It it, it was extremely sharp. I, it would not produce any swirl. Um, it didn't it didn't seem like a Helios lens. Um, I didn't really like it. Um, I think it was it was probably fake because the lens showed wear, but the nameplate looked brand new. And um, a minute ago you said um, swapping out nameplates, but I, I can't imagine that that's what people are doing. That wouldn't make sense because why would you take a nameplate off of a real 44/7 to put it on a cheaper lens? No, um, I was I was but, suggesting that people are making them um, for or. or yeah, or from the factory somehow someone has gotten a hold of a whole bunch of the uh, nameplates. Sure. And they're mm -hmm. circulating around these, these nameplates, and people are just swapping them out and putting them onto 44 M4s or something like that. I, I think that's probably what, what's happening. Mm. Well, that that lens in particular, I, I used it a couple of times, and and I found it was it was particularly good for macro shots, but not by itself uh, because it's got a I don't know what the minimum focus is. I'm guessing I've got a 44M in front of me, so it may have a similar focus. I mean, the 44M has a minimum focus of 55 um, centimeters, and uh, yeah, I'm just trying to find what it is on the 44.2. Yeah, it's, about, it's saying you know, half a meter on a on a 44.2. But what I found is when you used it with a focusing helicoid uh, or an extension, um, it made a really, really uh, good macro lens. So, uh, Johnny, I mean, you're a user of focusing helicoids. Do you want to tell us a bit more about them? Yeah, right, Simon. Um, so, helicoids. So, just to, maybe let's start with a definition. Hel a helicoid is basically the um, the device on the lens that extends it to give you focus from uh, the nearest range to infinity. Uh, it's really just a threaded, basically a you know a threaded uh, tube with a device to, to turn that tube. Um, so it's really uh, very simple, but you know, extremely important, obviously, for uh, focusing lenses on particularly uh, you know, small format cameras as opposed to things like larger format cameras where you would use a, a bellows to provide the same effect. Um, so helicoids are um, extremely useful items, especially for the sort of what I would call lens hacking 
activities that many of us do with older lenses. And, and the route that kind of got me to uh, get, having a whole big giant bin full of helicoids uh, is I, I was uh, starting to um, adapt particularly, what would I say? Um, oh, I'm sorry, in larger lenses and also um, lenses from <clears throat> folding cameras, which um, were were focused, you know, by bellows. Uh, but what I what I wanted to do was put these lenses on my, you know, primarily on my mirrorless camera, um, and essentially turn them into interchangeable lens, uh, interchangeable lenses that I could kind of swap in and off the camera very easily. Were very compact and easy to carry around with me. So actually, in front of me, I have. Um, the I had mentioned the lens earlier, the the uh, Kodak uh, Anastigmat Ektar, which is a Biotar, the 45 millimeter f/2, which I have uh, mounted into a lens cap, an M42 lens cap, using the retaining ring on the back of the lens, and then that is um, screwed into a Pentax helicoid extension tube, um, and then behind that I have an M42 thin adapter, and that whole thing can go basically on you know any any of my cameras film or digital that will take an m42 mount um so that's that's kind of how i got to him was just doing this you know experimenting with lenses and and needing a way to you know focus lenses that did not have their own built-in uh focusing ability um and i so i i think i i bought up quite a few of these i i guess this was probably five or six years ago i really dove into this and at the time um, there were a lot of these old, you know, Pentax helicoid tubes um, or close-up tubes. They were called like extendable close-up tubes. I think is the nomenclature. But they were they were kind of around on eBay for, you know, twenty thirty bucks. There were quite a few of them out there. They were all vintage from the seventies. I just started buying them up, and I have, God, I think I've got maybe eight or ten of them. Um, and they, I noticed they started to get harder to find as. It seemed like the mirrorless thing was really leading to much more lens adapting. I think, so. So then I, um, having run out of those as a source, I started looking around. I had some uh, helicoids that I wasn't super happy with, and then I found on uh, eBay there's a, a a maker called Yinon. It's Y E E N O N, um, and they make a really large variety of adapters for all sorts of mounts. And by that I mean mounts to two cameras, but also, you know, original lens mounts for all sorts of odd things. So they have a really wide variety, and I found these to be the best um, quality helicoids, other than that original, you know, Pentax version that I was buying up. And they have them in a lot more um, sizes and mounts. So uh, that's that's where I've been sourcing my helicoids from. I haven't really bought any in a while. I I just have enough that I. You know they pretty much serve all my needs, but they they um, seems like they keep coming out with new designs and uh, new um, compatibilities for you know both the, the the lens going into the helicoid and then the helicoid going on to different camera mounts. Uh, Iman, you're doing some similar sorts of adapting, I believe, yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, I remember Simon's words when. I he got uh, his own uh, helicoid, go grab one, <laughs> and the next thing I did was uh, logging in my eBay account and uh, ordering one. Uh, I use them uh, with uh, enlarger uh, lenses, uh, 
and uh, I also used these uh, algoids with uh, projector lenses. Uh, these uh, are giving some uh, unique results that uh, you won't see from uh, uh, lenses for 30mm uh, cameras. And uh, I don't know if you read uh, a link that I posted uh, during the uh, weekend. Uh, it was from uh, Philip Reeve uh, Net. And uh, it was uh, suggesting that uh, when you do some uh, macro photography, you may get uh, better uh, results uh, if you use uh, macro tubes or, uh, mac or an alkoid and uh, you have set uh, the lenses alkoid at infinity instead of uh, at its uh, minimum focus uh, distance. Uh, so this is another uh, use that. Uh, we may suggest for uh, alkaloids. That's an interesting point, Simon. Um, I saw that article, and it was it was it was it was very interesting. Where that uh, where that well, that's interesting is because some lenses you you desperately want them to focus closer than they actually do. Um, and yeah, yes, indeed, the Jupiter three, for example, which uh, it is supposed to be a soft lens, especially when you shoot uh, wide open or below five point six. Well, I have taken some uh, macro shots with uh, this one. It it was really sharp images. Uh, well, it was on macro tubes, so. I think it, the, the link and what it suggested was uh, actually 100% right. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. I've I've done something similar with a, a Jupiter three, and I was I was amazed, uh, especially when you, you you stop it down to say f eight. Uh, I've, yeah. I've got some lovely detail and lovely rendering at the same time with some macro shots. But on, in terms of lens design, where where lenses don't actually focus uh, as close as you would like them to. Yeah, you know, there's this thought. Think, well, why? Why didn't they just, you know, build in a bit more more threads uh, into the into the original helicoid to to make them close, uh, make it focus closer? But the the answer is, um, they they didn't do that because the 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 lens manufacturer decided that the um, the the lens was not resolving as well as it should do, and 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 it's effectively running out of its uh, optimized zone. So that's that's the reason why it doesn't do it. But that also makes sense when you're saying about putting it onto a hel onto a helicoid and leaving the the lens at infinity. Um, you're somehow I, I guess you're yeah, you're, you're using that. You overcome this problem. Yes, indeed. Well, I really like uh, helicoids because you have the chance to shoot with these projector lenses, and uh, you you can get some amazing piece of glass with uh, if you search for uh, such lenses. Uh, you can even have uh, Leica lenses for uh, let's say fifty or sixty euros, which is unbelievable, and. Uh, the results are sometimes stunning, especially for portrait uh, photography. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Carl, you're a, you're another big uh, helicoid user. So, right. So I have used them in the same way that Johnny described to use um, some unusual lenses and larger lenses, which are really nice uh, flat field lenses and. Um, don't have the ability to focus themselves, so you need you need to have the helicoid um, in the adapter to focus them. Um, it's critical to have them if you buy some of those old Voigtlander DKL lenses, 
um, as an example, the 135, I think the minimum focus distance is 18 feet. <laughs> and wow. so uh, it's, it's almost unusual. You can't, you can't use the lens for hardly anything, but with a helicoid, it brings it down less than half of that. But um, I've gotten now so that um, I don't use any standard M42 or LTM39 adapters. I just use the helicoid adapters because it's, it's nice to be able to focus a little bit differently. Um, and get, and get a closer focus with the adapter so that's that's you know when you go from infinity you just turn it close and you're at infinity and you can focus with the lens but um, I, with the LTM 39 helicoid I actually prefer to do my focusing with the um, focusing ring on the helicoid it's a little bit bigger than the one on the lens and it, it just it works it works better for me so I just set that lens at infinity and I do the focusing with the the helicoid. One of the things that's interesting uh, that um, people who haven't bought these before might um, uh, well, they'll they'll find out when they try to get one, is that um, in some cases you just need to buy the helicoid, and and it can go right from the camera to the lens. But in other cases, you, you're not going to be able to find that, and you, you'll need to buy a, an extra part. So um, I ha I use I like these Yenon helicoids too. They're an intermediate price one. If I had the cheaper ones and and if and I've had them almost fall apart, so I've I've, I've gone to these Yunnan brand ones too. And on my Fuji, it's it's direct from the FX mount right to M42. But um, with the um, LTM one, it, it takes an extra piece first, and it's a little slim ring that goes from the FX to a, a Leica M, and then the helicoid is a Leica M. To LTM 39, and I don't know why, but that's what's available if you go looking for them. And I think Simon, you have a different experience with um, with, with the helicoid when you were using it on your um, Olympus, right? Yes, on the 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 Olympus um, and the Sony as well, for that matter. I use this, this exactly the same setup um, with my M42 uh, helicoids. And by the way, I use a, a 17 to 31 millimeter uh, helicoid, but you get them in different lengths for different purposes, but 17 to 31 or there or thereabouts is um, pretty much like a sweet spot, really. Um, but what I use is an M42 to M42, which, which means that you still require a method of uh, attaching the helicoid to the, to the body, and you just use a, an ultra-slim, say, Micro Four Thirds to M42 or ultra-slim uh, next to uh, to M42 to allow the two things to mate together, but um, you can't just use a, an M42 adapter and then slap on a, a helicoid, uh, a standard M42 adapter, and put a helicoid on, uh, because you'll from the start the 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 lens will be sitting too far away from the from the uh, sensor, so you you immediately end up with a macro lens immediately, which is obviously not what you what you need. Um, just taking this conversation almost full circle, uh, I mentioned earlier about the Zenit M39 mount for uh, the Helios 44, and that also applies to several Jupiter lenses. Um, and when you actually attempt to use that, well, first thing is you, you simply can't just screw that lens into uh, a, an LTM39 adapter of any description because it, it puts the, um, the lens too close to the sensor. 
but what most people do, and I've done this myself, is you just get a step ring and convert the lens to M42 and then screw it into an M42 adapter. Um, but that gives you a few problems and uh, folks in Helicoy can get you over that. But perhaps, John, you can tell us a little bit more about this phenomenon. Yeah, I think this um, is a confusing thing that comes up from time to time is that the the, the M39 is simply referring to the... Um, the size of the threads on the back of the lens, right? So the, the most common uh, M39 that we, we probably think of is the Leica screw mount or LTM, which is M39 um, with a register distance of 28.8 millimeters. Now to, to get things all kind of messed up for us, um, we have the Zenit uh, the, or ZM39, which is essentially the same as M42 working distance but with an M39 thread pitch. So the register distance on, on these is 45.46 millimeters. So entirely different, they, they, they're not interchangeable at all. Um, so if you're gonna use a Zenit, you know, ZM39 lens on, um, on anything and get the right uh, focal, you know, focal distance on it, it's gotta convert that so that it can work at 45.6 millimeters. Now, to further confuse things, <laughs> The Zenit M39 has a slightly different thread pitch than standard M42, which is, I think, where this focal uh, infinity focus issue might come from. I've never personally experienced it because I, I don't really use the lenses that way, but I know others have experienced it, like uh, maybe Carl. Oh, is that my cue? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I have not experienced it because... Oh, okay. Um, because I, I use the lens uh, only on uh, uh, an adapter that has a helicoid in it, yeah. and I can I can focus actually beyond infinity, um, and and I think when we've talked about this before, um, the discussion has gone something along the lines of um, if the lens is wide open at f2, you can't focus it to infinity, and um, when I take shots where I'm trying to do a landscape or buildings or something in the distance, I've never shot a wide open shot before. I'm usually at f8 and when you're stopped down to f8 that, that problem goes away and Simon maybe can explain why that happens but um, so it, it isn't a, an issue for me. Uh, just, just going back to Johnny's explanation there, he was talking about the thread pitch. Um, I'm not, not quite sure if that was actually the case. Uh, I think the th I thought the thread pitch, thread pitch was the same but ultimately it left it it, the position of the lens was, um, I'm just trying to think now, it's actually, it sits slightly closer, or was it slightly further away? I can't quite remember. It, it's, it's, it sits one side of the M42 register, which which means that uh, you, you can't quite reach infinity. Um, I think it must be past yeah. it, actually, because it makes it ever so slightly towards the macro side. Um, but as, as Carl says, you know, it, it's, you know, who, who wants to shoot um, a Helios lens at f2 and for a for a landscape shot you just just generally speaking don't do that but i, I have a sneaky feeling that, um, this this issue becomes more noticeable at the longer focal lens i'm i'm sure that i've had this this problem with a, a jupiter no sorry a helios 40 the 85 uh, 1.5 lens and i'm i'm sure that this this um, issue with getting to infinity or not is is more pronounced with that lens than it than it is with the 58 and uh, which sort of makes sense because you've got less of a depth of field to to work with in the first place. No, I could get super technical here if we wanted to go back to this because it's actually this thread. This um, I think this really is a thread pitch issue 
because this is not only a issue for us all using uh, cameras, it's um, it goes into machining as well. It's because it's really it's 24 threads per inch to 26 threads per inch, and it's not actually. It's also something that happens with can some Canon thread mount lenses, but it's it's generally that the um, uh, that the difference is so small that you don't ever see it. Um, so I mean, it, I think it does go back to that ultimately, but I'm not sure we want to dive all the way into that. That's it gets really probably boringly technical. <laughs> well, perhaps that, that's something that our listeners might uh, might put us straight on. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. That's good too. Tell us we're wrong. That'd be yeah. great. <laughs> One of the things that's interesting and it's just peripherally related, but. Um, I've, I've I've often looked on eBay and even thought of buying one. Is um, there's this related lens, the 77.4, and um, I don't know if anyone's had that, but um, that's a one as an f 1.8. But I was just looking on eBay now, and there's <laughs> it's actually one listed, and it says that it's a 58 f 2, and so I don't know what the heck that is. And I don't, and it's interesting that the four, the the 44s are so common, and this the 77.4. Which I think some members have. You hardly ever see anyone posting photos with it. Well, that's it for episode five. So to round things off, Johnny, how can people keep up with you? You can find me most days at Central Camera Company in Chicago behind the sales counter. And then uh, easiest way to catch up with me online is at Instagram, uh, where I'm at Sisson Photography. That's S I S S O N Photography. And Carl. Well, you can find me most often on the Photography with Classic Lens Facebook page. And I keep my Flickr page uh, relatively up to date, but weekly. And it's just Carl with K Havens, H-A-V-E-N-S. And Emil. Well, you can find me at the uh, Facebook page and uh, mainly Photography with Classic Lenses. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, uh, I think you won't be able to tag me my name is written Greg, so photography with classic lenses is uh, the place to find me. And I can be found in a few places. I'm on Instagram as Simon P. Forster. Um, I'm on Flickr as Simon Forster. Uh, you can do a search for me to find my eBay shop. At, uh, if you do a search for It's Fozzy, that's I-T-S-F-O-Z-Z-Y. Um, I know that uh, Johnny's now laughing at the way I say Z. Um, and, I uh, love it. I love it. It's all good. Yeah. And you can find us all on the Facebook group, Photography with Classic Lenses. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast, and it'll be great if you can join us all again next week.